So I'm here with my friend Kate, who is not in crypto, and I would say is safe to say does not give a fuck about crypto. Maybe that's not a fair. But definitely not as much as people actually in crypto. I'm curious about it, but the level of commitment that I have is surface, surface level, I'd say. Um, I love that. So I today want to talk about this question around like user ownership. I think we're at a weird point in crypto where everyone is kind of starting to look around and ask, like, do people actually want to own the platforms that they exist on. I think that's kind of an underlying assumption of Web3 and crypto, but I'm not sure that that's actually fair or true. Um, so Kate, I'm very excited to get your take. I'm not going to directly answer that question, um, but we'll, we'll get around that question. So maybe to start, you can just like describe your relationship with the internet. Like, did you grow up on the internet? How much of your life feels like it's on the internet? Let's go from there. Yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up on the internet. Um, I remember like getting an iPhone and all the social media platforms, Snapchat, Instagram in middle school. So up until then, I was really not on the internet a ton. Um, I used YouTube a lot and had a YouTube channel as a elementary, middle school, partial high schooler. A young um, creator. You were a successful creator at that. I was pretty successful in my like niche little um, area of the internet, but it definitely, I mean, I learned a lot about the internet through that. And then when I ended up getting social media, um, and I think that just everybody kind of around our age and in our generation has spent a significant portion of their like adolescence and early adulthood life online. Um, and then especially with like work now, so much of it is remote. Um, so it ends up just being Slack messages and pings and a lot of that ends up being on the internet too. So I, I spend a decent amount of time on the internet. (laughs) And I know also, um, I mean, we've talked about a couple of the things around like threads and all the things that are going on now. Um, but I'm curious, like when you think about your level of maybe investment in some of the different spaces on the internet that you spend time, like how, um, how invested and committed do you feel to something like your Instagram or did you feel to your YouTube? Like, what is that relationship? Yeah, I think it's definitely changed a lot over the years as kind of the platforms evolve and the people using them, like the demographics kind of change. Um, so like Facebook was something that I'm sure we all used a lot in like middle school before we actually had like smartphones and we could just go on um, like our computers and post stupid statuses and stuff like that. But now, even though I have a Facebook, like I really it's limited to marketplace Um and catching up with or keeping up with like older family members that maybe aren't <laughs> on some of the other social media platforms. Um, so, you know, there's definitely value in that, but I don't like scroll a ton on Facebook. Um, and then Instagram is the one that I use like the most. Um, I think I got really fatigued from some of the other like platforms. I stopped doing Snapchat very early. I stopped in high school. Um, it was just the constant back and forth and the constant pictures that I was taking of myself was like super draining for me and definitely was like not just good for my overall mental health. Um, but Instagram, I've been able to kind of like find a balance between because, um, all of my friends for the most part are like active on that platform. So when it gets down to like 
the actual reason that these platforms first started and like the real value in it. Like I get the most out of that through Instagram and connecting with like friends that have moved to other places that I normally wouldn't like take the time to call or text um, on a given day, but I get like little life updates. Um, And then when it comes to like Twitter and stuff like that, I rarely go on it um, just because it can be like a lot of information. Um, And then the other platform that I use is TikTok. Um, Just when I (laughs) say that with a little of shame. (laughs) I know it's kind of bad because it's, it's not the most stimulating thing probably for my brain, but um, it is really entertaining and they've figured it out. Like they know how to make a good, a good product that I will probably continue to use. And I think it's actually a really good way to like share information. Um, I think like even through like different protests and social movements that kind of had happened over the past couple of years, like with the younger generation, I think TikTok's been a really like cool way that they've been able to kind of like communicate and share information. Mm. Sometimes I think that I feel like for a platform like Instagram, like you mentioned, stop stopping using Snapchat. And I think I similarly was like, okay, I don't really care about Snapchat anymore. But I have this weird feeling around things like Instagram where you kind of can't not use them. Like, I think I've told you about this, but like, you know, you go and if you meet someone on like Hinge or whatever, people are immediately like, oh, what's your Instagram? Like, I want to vet you basically. And I think that's totally valid behavior. Um, So I'm curious, like, how much of you choosing to be on something like Instagram is a choice versus something that feels more like a necessity? Ooh, that's a really good question because like if I kind of ask the same question to myself in a different way, like if nobody used Instagram really um, or it like wasn't important and I didn't feel like the social obligation to be on it, I don't know if I would be on it. Um, I I think and it's also evolved a lot. Like when I joined Instagram, when we all joined Instagram in like middle school, the type of content that was available on the app was like much more like random pictures, like truly Instagram. Like now the idea of like taking out Instagram, opening the camera and just like taking a picture and posting it is like kind of insane. Like it's wild that they even have that like feature for like posts because I feel like now it's just changed into like so much more curated content. Um, And so I think I like preferred it when my entire feed was a little bit more. And I try to not follow a ton of influencers or like celebrities on Instagram because I like don't really enjoy the content as much as I'm like just trying to like keep up with my friends and family. Um, So I think I like would still be on it. Um, but I definitely think I would feel less pressure to like stay active. Like, as you said, it's kind of this like social currency that you have now where like your reputation and how people are going to kind of assess you has to do with like your presence on Instagram or social media. Um, so it would be nice if that wasn't the case because it could definitely be overwhelming at times, but I think I would still be on it. I think I would just like interact with it very differently. Interesting. Part of the reason I ask is because my thesis around a lot of the like Web3 stuff is basically that to some degree, we don't have a choice on. I mean, you have seen my evolution of how I use Instagram going from hating it to like trying to be on it. And so part of my like 
thesis is basically that we don't have a choice to be on these platforms. And so we should at least have a say in them, which sounds like the idea around choice actually for you is much more like you would still choose to be on these platforms regardless. Um, it sounds like for something like Instagram or maybe even TikTok, though, you might you might change some of the what we might call like platform physics around like, okay, certain types of behavior is incentivized, certain types of behavior isn't, which creates all these like weird second order effects. Um, so I guess like from that angle, I'm curious, how much do you actually care about the way that these platforms are like run and, and built? Like if you're being brutally honest. Yeah. Um, so I think like, I don't think about it on like a day-to-day basis of I the big thing that I kind of like actually notice and care about is like the user interface and the like experience of navigating through the app and like the different features that the app itself has um I do think like I've noticed um especially with how like influencer culture and marketing and kind of like celebrities um presence on social media and this like wealth flaunting that happens a lot on like Instagram and different like social medias um definitely has like kind of changed the perspective that I have on like what the app is actually meant for um like it mm-hmm. feels much more capitalist in a way like it's really not and I think like to a certain degree if you have a social media company, a tech company that's like operating in a capitalist economy, like they're going to be driven to maximize profits. And part of that is like having really valuable ad placements by like getting people targeted content and getting people to like the amount of, I'm actually like, (laughs) I'm really a great target for like sponsored content. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, this is also kind of like shameful, but I've bought many a product from an Instagram (laughs) and it's just come up in my feed um because I'm just like very like impulse driven and sometimes if there's really relevant good content that I see after I see like four photos of influencers who are all have like the most picturesque like beautiful like outfits and they're like sipping Aperol spritzes on like the Amalfi Coast like I will buy myself something just to make me feel better (laughs) Which is fucked because the, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because it's like the entire goal there is make you feel like you need something that you don't actually need, which is like capitalism more broadly. It's very hard, I think, to differentiate between what about our entire system is fucked and what about these individual platforms is fucked. And like, even if you change the dynamics of the platforms, like maybe we end up with the same problems and they just come out in weird and different ways. But like, mm-hmm. even to that degree, it feels like, you know, with ad, with ad based revenue, what you end up having is a weird system where like the incentive of the platform is to keep you on the platform and also keep you wanting more. Um, whereas like maybe we wouldn't have that normally. So I'm also curious how much you think like you would, if, if you could tinker with some of these mechanics, like, would you prefer to be spending less time on like Instagram and TikTok? Yeah, like 100%. And that's also something that like I have in the past tried to create like rules and limitations for myself because it's definitely and like 
getting into like the psychology of the dopamine hits that you get whenever you open TikTok. Like I even find myself now, like I'll be sitting, literally doing something for work and I'll just mindlessly, like my, I don't even think, oh, let me open my phone and open Instagram, but I'll just be like looking down and like Instagram's open. Um, so that kind of freaks me out. And I definitely think like, because their business model is like built off of essentially kind of like hijacking human psychology to make you like addicted to these platforms. Um, it's definitely like not, I don't think healthy mentally long-term, um, especially when like, I think it continues to like take us out of like the present moment and the physical space that we're inhabiting. And, um, that in and of itself is like, pretty damaging and not really something humans have had to deal with before. So um, we're not adapting to it super well. Um, and I think like, I mean, if you even just look at like there, I mean, there's a lot of conflating factors, but just mental health in general and social media is like a big issue. Like it's not great to be addicted to Instagram and consume all this content. Um, and like the attention span that you are like operating on when you're going through something like Instagram or TikTok, where you're just continuing to scroll, you're like moving pages. Um, that's also something that I, it feels unnatural and, um, definitely like has, I think impacted my ability to concentrate on things because I'm used to just like scrolling and seeing things and getting like huge dopamine hits constantly. How much are you aware of that as you are engaging with these platforms um, versus just kind of like mindless acceptance of this as just the unfortunate end. Yeah. Not, I think not end of the world, by the way. <laughs> More like, you know, this is just the result. Yeah, like this is, yeah. And like, like you mentioned, I mean, I think there is kind of a pressure and an obligation to, if I don't go on Instagram for a few days, I'll like miss things sometimes. Um, and so I, I try to like, limit the amount that I go on just because I know it doesn't make me feel good. So I think that I'm like pretty aware of it. And because of that, I intentionally will be like, okay, no, it's time to close this. Um, but it's like very easy to, especially if you're trying to distract yourself from something else or like have like an uncomfortable feeling you don't want to sit with. Like it's very easy to just whip out TikTok and like watch a bunch of random videos. Um, so I think I'm, I'm conscious of it when I want to be, but when I would like to just numb, then I'm, I'm like aware of it, I guess, but I choose to not care. <laughs> okay. So I think that makes a ton of sense and like provides a really good foundation for understanding how you think about this stuff. I think for me, the big question is like a lot of the stuff around web three is basically, you know, users can have a voice in governing these platforms, whether that be something like um, like really, really obscure things like forcing users to stop. Like you literally can't access the platform if you spent more than an hour and a half every day or something like, you know, things as um, specific as that into things that are more broad, like, you know, only X percent of the company's revenue can come from ads. Like you can sort of play around at different layers, of course, like some of these platforms. I'm curious does anything like that appeal to you? And maybe those examples, like people listening to this are probably like, those are bad examples and maybe they are, but I'm curious if any level of control in these platforms appeals to you, or if you're like, mm, I don't really give a fuck or like, I can't see me actually engaging. Um, 
So when you say like a time limit or something like that, it would like the users would be deciding that for everyone else. Or like, I mean, yeah, it would be like a democracy, right? It would be like, like, cause the mental model is basically that we spend so much time in physical spaces and like we have a say in how those spaces are governed. Like you vote for, you know, your, your representatives and stuff, but we don't really have that in digital spaces. Um, and I don't, you know, the time limit is like a random example and that might not actually be a good one, but yeah, something where it's like a democratic, cause you can set time limits, but like you can always go over them. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. even something like an ad revenue, like only X percentage of your revenue can come from ads is another interesting one. Um, But yeah, it would be like a democratic way of deciding on platform physics, we'll call it. It's kind of like um, mental load. It's like adding more decisions. And so in it is more work and it feels like that. Um, So it would be interesting, like, I don't know, especially when I'm like using these platforms to just like open it and check in with people like having that control. I mean, even with the like, like example of voting, like so many people don't vote just because it's just effort. Um, not saying everybody should vote, like, but the reality is a lot of people don't. Um And so it would be interesting to, like, know whose voices are actually, like, getting amplified in a system like that or if, like, you have to vote to participate or something like that. Um, Because I also, like, sometimes, like, I don't don't always trust other people. I don't want them, like, making the decisions that are going to, like, impact me on my, like, digital spaces as well. I mean, I know people are making those decisions regardless, um, but in terms of, like, the masses. I don't always like think that that is like going to actually result in the best outcome, especially with people that are online a lot. Um, <laughs> no offense. Chronically online people. Not yes. <laughs> um, but, but I, you know, that's one of the reasons I can't do Twitter. It's like, it gets to be a lot of like a specific type of energy that like, I'm also just like, not sure if I would want those people making the decisions to to me. Okay, let me ask you a follow-up question. Yeah. How would you feel about delegating your vote to like someone who you trusted, whether that's someone you personally know or like an influencer type person? Yeah. Um I think I would feel better about that. Um just like because- Tristan Harris, who like, you know, is well known for like his work in mental health and social media. Like yeah. wouldn't it be interesting if he could vote for you? Yeah. I would definitely like that more because I think like someone that I respect there, I think that it all kind of comes down to who do I trust to make like the best decision for the user. And I think like right now what you have is like people running companies and their interests are their interests are like fundamentally kind of against what is actually best for humans using their product. Um, and so there's definitely like an issue there and it's because it's so widespread it's impacting like our culture and very like specific and um like intense ways um so i think especially someone that has like a background in psychology whose motives are like well-being of the user um i would trust more, um, in terms of like those types of decisions. 
um, more than the just general population, because I think you'll have an actual like understanding of how the um, choices you're making impact the user. Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, so it sounds like you are open to the idea of having more democratically run spaces if you have the ability to like delegate and it doesn't cause a bunch of overhead. Um, I'm curious what your willingness to like, so <clears throat> ultimately those types of platforms, because they are optimized for people might end up, this is not necessarily the case, but like they might end up being, and they likely would be like less addictive and maybe even less fun. And much more like utilitarian. And so I'm curious, how willing would you be to trade off like a really addictive and dopamine inducing experience for something that is that, you know, is like net. I don't want to say net positive for humanity because I don't know if that's the right framing, but like for a more democratic and perhaps less addictive option. I mean, I would like consciously and intellectually I would prefer that (laughs) sure however I'm sure it would be hard and I think it would also be a hard sell to people to because like one of the biggest things is I'm not going to be on a social media if my friends aren't on it so if I'm just the only one out of my friend group that's on a social media platform like delegating your vote no one else literally um Yeah. So I think like I would prefer to get my dopamine from other things. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I would love to get it from like hobbies and exercise and like more natural, like also less insanely like the spikes from social media and like how that also just like makes me distracted at work sometimes, like things like that. I would love to not have. Um, But it would definitely be hard, especially given like the whole reward pathway and how that like works with social media, because people are like genuinely addicted to it. And so if there's something that doesn't feel as good, like you can tell people as many times as you want to use the thing that's good for you. But with like the dopamine, like, what is it called? I'm going to need you to edit this part out. Um, (laughs) Neurotransmitter. Um, Like it's, you're not always going to listen to the intellectual side of your brain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's definitely to me, like one of the biggest questions around a lot of this stuff is like, even if, cause a lot of people in the crypto space basically have the assumption right now that, um, the technology needs to advance in order to make like onboarding easier and all this stuff, which I don't think is wrong. Like I do. I mean, I think I've tried to set you up with a wallet before and it was a mess. Um, I literally, right before this, I was trying to figure out how to connect my Coinbase to Mint and you have to like generate an API key. And I was like, um, and then I tried to, I literally spent like 15 minutes doing it and I was like, never mind, it's fine. So it's definitely like, and I'm on like the beginner level Coinbase, like, like very easy user interface. And I, I think you also just can't. I think I need Coinbase Exchange or something. But I was like generating an API like key in secret to just connect my accounts is kind of intense, especially if oh. you're someone who doesn't even know what API is and like what that stands for, what it means. Um, so 
Definitely. And also, that's only the tip of the iceberg in terms of what can go awry with. I'm sure setting yourself up, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's like it is one of those things where we assume that if we can make onboarding easy, if we can make it easy to connect like centralized exchanges, like you're talking about to budgeting apps, but also um, doing things like getting you onboarded onto a wallet and getting you like custodying your own keys, which is very different from like using Coinbase and all this stuff that like, oh, these things will come. And I think what this conversation is making me realize that I had suspicions about, but that is like now sort of becoming clear is that even if we're able to get people to um, care about the idea of a more democratic platform, even if we're able to solve the challenges around governance where you can actually like delegate your vote, there is still a problem around this. And maybe this assumption is wrong, but like basically this idea that people might not want to use the apps that are less addictive. And that that is like eating healthy food over junk food. And yeah. like, even if we get to that point, um, there is still a ton of work that we're going to need to do to get people over the finish line. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's just people. I think like companies, marketers, um, influencers, like I think there's a whole economy of people that kind of rely on Instagram being incredibly addictive and social media, like keeping people online and like drawing them in. Um, so I also would imagine that there would be some form of like resistance and pushback from like all the people that are currently kind of running their businesses out of online presences. Um, so that would also be an interesting like shift to tackle. And I think like at the end of the day, like people aren't going, I think the majority of people are just going to go based off of like, which app do I have the most fun using? Um, yeah. So that's definitely like in terms of the number of people that use it and then um, just the success of like an app itself. Um, I think it's tied to how much dopamine people end up getting just through scrolling. Okay. Here's a follow-up question. So there's like the, there's like the platform side, right? Where it's like, we're going to create a new version of Instagram and we're going to give people the ability to govern it. And that's going to be great. That definitely comes with challenges. And it's also trying to scale to like this huge, like Instagram has billions of users. That is not something necessarily that makes sense to scale. The flip side of some of the Web3 social stuff is like creating like intimate apps. That's, that's what I like to call them. And I think other people have also used terminology like it, which is basically like, what would it look like to take a niche internet community, like the one that you were part of when you were like 10 or 12 or whatever, um, and basically create a space for people who are part of that community to like vibe in the same way that like a YouTube comment section is doing that, but in a way where they actually have a lot more control over the platform itself. And in that case, it actually becomes more like little micro niche communities. Um, I feel like as someone who's like not chronically online, I don't know how much something like that appeals to you. Um, but I think the dynamics there are also kind of interesting where it's like, you know, what does it look like to have little local communities basically? Um, and maybe that scales differently. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like, what is analogous to that that currently exists, whether it's like a forum website, it's like or discords, people have discords. Yeah. Yeah. Individual servers. 
or group so then chat. how would this be different I guess I, I don't know that much about discord or like how it's monetized and um the business model behind the platform itself but how would something decentralized be different from what discord currently is so I think one of the fundamental things, which is what Threads also brings up as a weird counterpoint to this being a good thing, but is basically that like you would actually own the space. So like in Discord, your server can get rugged, basically meaning like your rugged is such a crypto coded term. Um, <laughs> your server can get like wiped or Discord can decide that you're not abiding by the terms of service. Also, they own your data, which is like, of course, a big question. Um, and so instead what you might want is like sovereignty over that space. And so you might want to own that space knowing that not only are your chats like private, but also if you use, this is going to get like weirdly technical, but if you use like a client, which is like a front end, um, you could choose to use like a discord or Slack like app as your client or as your front end. If you hated Slack and you were like, fuck it, I want to move to Discord, you could in theory switch to a different platform without losing your data or the group of people who made up that community. Um, and so a lot of it is about like porting over in the same way that Threads has made it easy to port over your Instagram followers where like your identity comes along with you, which is kind of a different rabbit hole, which is like yeah. perhaps actually not a good thing. But in theory, that would be one of the things that would be different. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, um, yeah, I think I'm trying to think of like a use case where I would actually have like a small community <laughs> that I would interact with, like that I would want to interact with on a bunch of different You platforms. trying to think of a crypto use case and struggling to like is just an incredible like example of I think how most people in crypto see a lot of this stuff, which is like, that sounds so cool, but I like can't really think of a reason that I would do this. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does sound cool. I think also like, and maybe this is just me, the idea of, I guess the word ownership seems like it comes with work and responsibility. And I don't know if people are always going to be excited about that in a democratic, decentralized sense. It's really, I mean, empowering for sure. But at the same time, like, it does come along with like somewhat of a burden and would be interested like how, especially people that get overwhelmed by technology or like more, like I'm trying to think of like my parents, like I know they're probably not like the use case for this. Um, and if my parents listen to this, you're both very technologically advanced. <laughs> um, it's not what I meant, but like, I don't know. It just seems, and I guess maybe this is, just a gap in my understanding, but what, in terms of ownership of a platform, would you need technical skills to be able to do that? Or I feel like you would need some level of understanding the mechanics or the physics of the platform to be able to really have a say in these things. And I just wonder if like the average American social media user would not have the tools to be able to like really make those decisions. Yeah. This gets on a really good point, which is like, what is the difference between giving democratic control and ownership over like things that require really high amounts of context versus much lower amounts of context and knowledge? And this is where you get into, there are a few projects. Um, Seed Club has done a really good job like pushing this forward 
um, which is basically like, how can we craft consumer ownership experiences, which is basically saying, how can we simplify the ownership experience so that people are able to um, act as owners and make decisions as owners, but the amount of context and cognitive overhead required for actually acting as owners is much lower. Um, and so I think that that is a an important exploration. There's a lot of debate in the crypto community about whether or not that is true ownership and if it's decentralized enough and all of that stuff. But I also think like to your point, you even probably don't want to make decisions about very specific parts of TikTok or most of TikTok for that matter. Um, and so I think from that perspective, it's like, how can you narrow down the surface area of decisions such that people can engage in a way that doesn't require a ton of research? Even like voting for politicians requires a ton of research. And that is a big part of A, why people don't do it and B, why people who do vote often only vote along party lines because they're not actually doing any research. There are other reasons for voting along party lines, but like, I think there's definitely a simplification of governance there that is required for the stuff to be effective. 100%. And even as you were saying that and like the choices of TikTok, um, I will sometimes see like, a, especially when I'm on TikTok, because I'm like not on there to use my brain or critical <laughs> <laughs> like, let's be real. Um and I'll watch a video and it will like have the, it'll have the little survey of like, how do you feel about the video you just watched? And I don't even fill out that. I'm like, mm. gone. I don't care. Like, I, like, it's just not like, I'm like very much. It was something that I'm interested <laughs> in. Like, I, um, so I, it's just funny to think about because like, it's also very easy to sit here and be like, yeah, then I would, I would definitely want to have like all of this input and say and decision-making. But the reality of the situation is like, I have to make so many decisions in a day about like literally every aspect of my life um, that having to also make decisions about the social media platforms that I'm engaging with is like not a super appealing prospect, but I do see the value in it. And I also, I was going to bring up B-Real because I think that B-Real is kind of an interesting like case study of social media that's less addictive um, because it's so non-curated um, and it's very like much a close friends kind of thing. Um, so I would definitely like be interested in something like that. I don't use B-Real because the app is just slow. It takes forever to open <laughs> time for it. But that actually is a good example of like a smaller community to your point, like who you have yeah. on Be Real is much more intimate. I mean, Be Real is effectively an intimate social space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I guess then the question there is like, how much would you want to pour over that group into other things? Like how much are you like, I really want to take my Be Real circle of people, even though you're not using it. Um, and I want to, I want to pop them in a discord server or in a Slack, um, channel. And like, I want us all to be able to chat, you know, like, I don't know how much that is a dynamic that you would actually want. Yeah. And I think another thing that it kind of gets down to is at least for me, I don't know, I can't speak for like everyone, but I would imagine the average person like, I don't want a ton of different social medias and a ton of different apps. Like, I'm very happy just having 
really Instagram and then TikTok is like not even I don't engage like I don't make content on TikTok. Um, so that's like kind of a different thing. But TikTok I, is like TV, basically. Like, yeah, it's not really. Yeah, yeah, it's like entertainment. Um, but like and I know we had like chatted briefly about threads and the fact that I joined threads. I like did everything, poured over my list and I still haven't opened it since the first day it came out because I'm just like so overwhelmed by the prospect of like another social media platform. That's also why it's one of the reasons I don't use Be Real. It's also because the app is just slow. Um, but I think that in general, like for someone that doesn't really want to spend a ton of time online because I'm already spending a ton of time online for work every day. Like I work at a computer. Um, the time outside of that, I would rather not be online if I can, but it's nice to like, there's a lot of value in having the connections of social media and being able to like stay closely connected with friends that move across the country from college and stuff like that, or like friends from study abroad. So there's definitely like, I'm glad I have it, but the idea of like a ton more little niche spaces that I would like be involved in is not, it's honestly kind of just like overwhelming for me. Yeah. Well, and like you're playing, I mean, as much as Instagram is for connecting with friends, it's also for like projecting an image of yourself that is, she's having fun. She's thriving, like whatever. Um, And I think the other weird dynamic there is like the more social media platforms you introduce, the more status games you need to be playing, which is like really challenging. And I also think that's kind of why threads is like seemingly less appealing to a lot of people. It's just like no one knows what game they're playing yet. Um, Once you know the game that you're playing, you can like decide if you or the game that other people on the platform are playing. You can decide if you want to play it. But like at this point, no one fucking knows. So it's like, why would I invest my time and energy into something that I have no clear ROI on? Yeah. 100%. And I think like there's been different periods of my life where I've also just deleted the Instagram app or like gotten rid of specific social medias. Um, And it is hard because then you end up like missing stuff. Um, But at the same time, you also know like when somebody goes to follow you, they're going to clock how many followers you have. They're going to clock your ratio. They're going to (laughs) like, like, it's just like, a fact they're not gonna it doesn't mean everybody's like brutally judging you but people notice um and they very much notice the like you kind of have to be um aware of your brand all the time um Mm -hmm. and then thinking about building that especially as someone who's like not a content creator i don't make any money on any of my platforms um the idea of like doing that again on another platform um is like kind of exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense to invest heavily in it until it's like the social reasoning around it is heavy enough that you would, it would make sense. Um, okay. Kate, that was interesting. Now I have to ask you a follow-up question, which is somewhat unrelated, which is like, I need a temp check on, on how we, and when I say we, I mean, people who are not in crypto are currently feeling about crypto. It's kind of funny because we're friends. So I definitely have a <laughs> distorted view of it because sometimes I'll mention you to other. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I get from other people. And then I'll tell you like how I kind of feel about okay. it, which is definitely like influenced by our friendship. Um, so if I ever bring up like 
you and I say, oh yeah, my friend uh, like is in crypto. Everybody's follow-up question recently has been, oh my God, is she like, so what's she actually doing now? Like, <laughs> like they think it's dead. They're like, is she okay? Like, I sounds bad. Sounds like a bad place to be. So, and then I'm always like, it's the winter. She's riding it out. <laughs> She's hibernating. <laughs> yeah, then it'll bounce back. It always comes back. Um, <laughs> I love that that's your current. Love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think the general, and I mean, everything that happened with like, TX and like the amount of people that have gotten screwed over by crypto um, publicly, I think is probably not great for the general image of the industry. Um, so, and I think that, I mean, there's with anything new, just like, a, and there's a lack of governance and our legislators have absolutely, like they can barely figure out Instagram. Like there's absolutely no way that they're going to be helpful in like the near future, I don't think, in terms of like regulating something like crypto. Um, and then I think there's always the questions of like, for like different illicit activities, like crypto being used as like a method of payment, um, because it's not traceable the same way that like, you can trace money launderers and banks can know exactly where everything's going. Um, so I think that that's also part of it. But I think and then there's just the general like, so this was the summer where the Oscars gave out in their like goodie bags NFTs of Chadwick Boseman. So everybody is talking about it. And because it's such a jargony community and there's a lot of different DAOs, NFTs, on like there's a bunch of just different words that are so unfamiliar to so many people. And because a lot of the people that get involved early are very enthusiastic about it um, and like want to explain it to people. But at the same time, they're using language that's like not accessible to most people. Um, I think that that also just became like a meme of what crypto is of like some random guy in a bar is just going to start explaining to you like how like Bitcoin works, but you don't actually like care. And he's also just going to say random things and you have no idea what he's talking about. Um, so I think like the lack of accessibility in the language and like the general way that it was, I think, um, kind of thrust upon the culture um, definitely resulted in some of the continued feelings about it. So people will either be like, oh, my God, is she OK? I that's <laughs> must be going badly. <laughs> or they'll be like, cool and they have nothing else they're like i i don't know a single like okay mm. um so i think that that those are the two responses that i get of just like kind of and almost the second one is almost like somewhat of an aversion i think just because of like the way that it's kind of been talked about in culture and media um what and would like, you how would you characterize that way that it's been talked about um, I think like it's been, there's been a lot of jokes made about it and about because people. it's like lame because it's annoying because people are bragging about being rich. Like what's the vibe there? Um, no, I think it's that people will try to, ex I think it's kind of what I said in terms of like people that are enthusiastic about it will unsolicited start to give you a bunch of information about crypto <laughs> And they use a bunch of words that you don't understand. 
And, but at the same time, like they like are very like kind of pretentious about it. And the, like the language, like, because they understand something that is like so complex, there's like this um, arrogance, I think that can Mm. come along with that, that is probably a little bit off-putting. And so I think in general, like, I mean, it became like just stand-up comedians and late night talk show hosts. I feel like I was hearing like jokes about the crypto guy that comes up to you in the bar and will just explain Ethereum to you or something like that. I am the crypto guy, unfortunately. Yeah, (laughs) well, you're not because you'll only do it if people ask probing questions. It's kind of like this. Same thing like the gym where like if you're working out by yourself and you maybe don't know how to do an exercise and you ask someone like, is this correct? That's like correct their form. But if someone's just like vibing at the gym, don't go up to them and correct their form. Similarly, if someone's just vibing at the bar, don't go up to them and talk to them about Bitcoin like they don't (laughs) want to Okay, I'm loving this rule of thumb. And honestly, probably a great reminder for many people in crypto, myself included, but I'm loving this. Uh, But I do like, so I think my view of crypto is definitely that it has, I mean, the amount that it's grown. um, Like I remember when I was a freshman in college, um, this guy in one of my math classes was like telling me about how he like mined Bitcoin and was like starting to explain it to me. And I genuinely was like so lost. And then obviously like throughout college, you started getting involved in it um, and like just learning about the capabilities of the technology and like the fact that it fundamentally is a new type of technology that like we don't really know what like our life can look like with blockchain integrated into it, um, I think is exciting. And I don't think it's going to go anywhere, especially as like the world, I mean, I think is going to continue to get kind of unstable and like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I mean, that is the bull case for crypto is that stability, we, we continue to become more, more and more unstable. And then, and crypto is like this, this means of introducing stability. Exactly. And like part of that is literally because of social media companies like Facebook um, disrupting world orders. And um, I think that it is like because I have the understanding of the surface level understanding, but still more of an understanding, I'd say, than like the average American that's not involved in tech or crypto of what the actual like underlying technology is capable of and like the value that it could provide if it's like integrated well and things that are genuinely useful for people are built on it. Um, I think I feel like good about crypto. Like, I don't think like, I truly like when I say like, she's just riding out the crypto winter, like, you know, it's sick, look like it'll bounce back. (laughs) I like truly believe that too. Um, because I think like, it's also, it's so much more than like the NFTs that are just like, I think the NFTs also, if we're going to go back to the public's impression of crypto, I think NFTs and things like Dogecoin did not do uh, the blockchain and centralized <laughs> technology a bunch of favors. Um, I think that people were like, why the fuck yeah. would you? pay this amount of money for something that doesn't even exist for real like and so (laughs) 
that I think probably didn't help. Um, but in terms of like the technology, like I feel like it's definitely exciting to see where it will go. And we just need people to build things that are actually helpful. Yes, that is such a wonderful way to wrap this up, Kate. Um, thank you so much for coming on the pod. This is so lovely. I really appreciate your like very grounding perspective on a lot of these things, especially as someone who, um, you know, has sort of like watched this from afar and has had to hear me talk a bunch about it over the years. Um, but also I think these are like really, really good reminders for people who are building. So thank you for coming on the show. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. I feel like I might be the first podcast guest ever that was invited for something that I have no knowledge on, but <laughs> I'm happy it was useful. <laughs> yes. you. I would say that's probably accurate. I, at least I hope that that's accurate, but I think it was super useful. And you have lots of knowledge on the like, you know, perspective of someone who uses social media and has to deal with all the bullshit that comes with it. So I, I appreciate that perspective. 